here. Has a question or wants Come here, little buddy. Please just step you, over. And if you're gonna say something, just say something next to my dog. You ready? Ready. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, big guy. <laughs> Welcome, guy. Thank you. How are you, Madal? I'm good, man. I'm good. good, Keith. Thank you. So we want to hear some stories, and you've had most of a bottle of wine, so I bet they're going to be good. Uh, but yeah. We'll fix everybody else a drink, and we'll, we'll go ahead and cheers this. Thank you. So everybody, is that all right? You going to have one too, Madal, or are you going to stay with the wine? I'll stay with the one, but I don't want to be left out of that one. <laughs> looks looks pretty interesting. Well, you want a small one? Just a dash. Dash. That's a that's a dash. That's a dash. <laughs> All right. So who's ready? We'll get. No, the lady's gonna want one. Thank you, You're welcome. There's a dash. Thank you. Fuck. Never mind. No, I want the very. I want that's, the very baby is, dash. This is mine. Who else is having some? You boys have one. Sure. All right. We have some more glasses. Hey, Madala, what does Madala mean? So Madala means, okay, so you, you know, you're familiar with the tree, this tree here, this is a big tree. So you know that you get rings, if you cut the tree across a section like that, you get rings around. Those are called Madalari rays. And what? Okay, that's got nothing to do with what, what my name is. <laughs> <laughs> you want to have the brand? Yeah. The word Madala means old man. Thank you. You're welcome. I'd love to think I'm not that old, but um, <laughs> but what it is that more of a sign of respect amongst the, the local black guys and um, all the guys that, that hunt with us, the trackers, and that they call you Madala as a sign of respect. Uh, it started off with one of the trackers calling me Madala, and now the name is stuck. Uh, well, we respect and we love. You. Thank you. Thanks Thank for doing you. this. Well, oh, I geez. love you guys too. We're getting sentimental Cheers. already. I love yeah. it. But Cheers. you are awesome, Madala. Cheers. We appreciate it. I wish you guys would do this. No, you're such a wonderful storyteller and you have such a wonderful experience or experiences. Um, so I've enjoyed lots of them over the last couple of years, but hoping you can tell some to these guys. I can. What, what are you going to start with? A hunting story or growing up in Rhodesia story or? Well, it, you like, you prompt me. Um, okay, well, first of all, cheers. Cheers. cheers it's very cheers nice everyone. to have you all here. Cheers, yeah. everybody. Cheers. Yeah. Oh, wonderful cheers. to have you here. Cheers, Dave. Cheers. Cheers. Tippy. Cheers. 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 Great. Nice to yeah. meet yeah. you, too. Well, you know, I know that. Oh, I got an extra. You. Mm. That you love elephant hunting. And those are some of my favorites. What, what's one of your favorite elephant hunting stories? Um, I mean, there's a few. I mean, elephant hunting can, can be a monotonous thing if you, if you haven't got a passion for it. I mean, you could follow an elephant every day for five hours and still not find the right elephant. So it's, it can be a boring thing, but it can also be the most fantastic hunt ever because it's not a case of you're not pulling the trigger all the time. In fact, a lot of 21-day hunts I've done, we haven't fired a shot at, at all. If we didn't find the right elephant, we didn't shoot it. 
So it's a case of look at the elephant or look go into the herd of elephants and have a look at them. If there was one there that, that the guy was happy with, then we would we would take it. But in general, it can be a boring hunt for those that are unaccustomed to, to elephant hunt, hunting. Um, it, it, it's a lot of tracking. So we used to cut tracks, follow, look at them. Maybe there would be four or five bulls. Get in as close as we could. Have a look. You'll see as soon as you get in there, once you've seen where all the elephants are, there might be one of interest. So you might move around to get the wind right, move in. If he sort of falls under the margin that you're looking for, which probably is 50, 60 pounds, if he's not in there, you pull back. And the, the key to it is do not disturb those elephants, especially on some of the concessions that weren't that big. Um, we had some there that were like 100,000 hectares. And so, so that's like... Uh... 200,000 acres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the problem with, with an elephant is they can transmit an ultra-low frequency sound and they can actually talk to elephants 25, 30 kilometers away. Bullshit. And so, so for that reason, <laughs> no, true, true thing. So the moment it's you incredible. disturb birds, you'll, see, you'll suddenly see the movement will all go towards the boundary or the national park. So the trick is to get in there, look at them and get out and leave them, let them settle. And then we'd drive around, um, look at another herd and, and as many herds as we could until what, we found the right one. Would this be herds of male and female and calves no, and everything in, in or most, bulls? Yeah, in most areas, your bulls are with bulls. If, the moment you start seeing cows and calves, you don't even go there, you just leave them. In most areas, but not all areas. Some areas there are big bulls with cows, but in particularly Botswana and um, the Botswana boundary in Zimbabwe, when you saw a cow, you didn't even go there. Because Botswana, that's where the biggest elephants are. Yeah, that, well, those elephants are all part of a big gene pool, which goes as far as Angola, um, parts of Namibia. They actually go into Namibia. They come around, they go to onto the Caprivi. They come down into, into Zimbabwe, into the Wangi National Park, and they just circulate, and some of them go go between all those countries. Yeah, they they've got a big territory. How far? What's an elephant's territory? Oof, well, I mean, they vary, but but what I've seen on satellite tracking, some of them as much as 200 kilometers, they'll they'll disappear, and then they'll come back six months later. You'll see that same elephant back again, huh. and they just do circles around, and wherever the feeding's good, that's where they go, or, or could be to do with females in season, or yeah. How many elephant hunts do you think you've been on? Um, been on or... Been on? Yeah. Um, guessing about 150. Jeez. Oh. Out of those, how many were shot? Most of them. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I would say 140, 145. Uh, there's oh, very, most. very almost seldom almost. someone goes away without an elephant. But I had a lot of guys that came, even on 21-day hunts, that left happy having looked at maybe 100 elephants and didn't find the, the, the mark they wanted, like they wanted a 60-pounder or a 70-pounder. And you can't shoot anything less unless he agrees to it. And they, if they keep their mark, that's where you stay. Yeah, so 70-pound meaning one task weighs 70 pounds. Yes, correct, correct. It's incredible. Yeah. What's, what's one of your favorite hunts or most interesting or tragic or one that stands out? Um, 
I mean, there were a lot of ones where you track and track and track daily, and then eventually you find that 70 or 80 pounder. Those are all, always stick in your mind. But one that always comes back to my memory is, is I was hunting with a friend of mine in the, in the Tuli Circle, which is the bottom end of, of um, Zimbabwe, yeah. and it juts into, it's a little circle. If you have a look on the map, you'll see like a little bubble that juts into Botswana. Yeah. And we were actually just hunting a, a tusless elephant just for, for something you know, to hunt. And we tracked quite a few herds, and then eventually we got onto one where we could find a, a tusless. And we got into a riverbed, and we were tracking them along the riverbed. And we had actually missed the fact that some of them had gone off to the left and were hiding in the trees and that. So we carried on with the other herd, and we stopped on the edge of the river, and we were sort of talking about what was going on and the tusk. I mean, the, the tracks were going off to Botswana, and, the, and then suddenly we heard branches breaking, and there was one cow coming flat out, screaming. And she was the matriarch. And she came at us from the side. We didn't want to shoot her because she wasn't what we were looking for. So we dipped into the little riverbed and we tried to hide, but it, it didn't work too well because she got to the edge of the riverbed and then saw us and then came down to get us. Uh, was it true that tuskless are generally more aggressive? Yeah. yeah and and the are. cows are They seem to have a chip on their shoulder for sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess for them to survive without tusks, they're yeah. going to be tough. And if you go to the Zambezi Valley, yeah. There's a lot of tusklers there, and those are actually the most difficult hunts because you. It, it's much easier to shoot a big bull who's off to the side or something like that. When you get those tusklers, you're almost in amongst all the elephants, and there's a lot of sort of, if they smell you, then the whole herd's just milling around, and then you're going to get a charge for sure. Oof. So tusklers elephant, as small as they may be, and they don't get very big, most of them, um, they, they can create quite a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So so it comes down into the river with you. Oh, guys so this one, yeah. Way. Came into the river. He had a, a Holland and Holland five hundred four six five Royal, which he had bought cheaply at several thousand dollars. But it was it, this this gun actually had a history of previous elephants that had shot, big elephants that had shot, so he wanted it. And it came down into the river, it saw us. I fired, he fired, and then it just kept on coming. And he managed to get off two barrels. I got off, I think I got off two shots. But it came in and, and when it got close, like five yards, he took the rifle and he threw it at me standing on the left. It landed in the sand next to my feet and the elephant hit him, pushed him into the sand and it got on top of him with its dust and pushed him along the riverbed. So we, we shot it a couple of times and eventually it collapsed on top of him. But the, the shot that actually did the damage was his first shot. He actually hit it in the lungs. And all the other shots were just superficial, really. And it collapsed on him. So it, like its knees folded. He was like between its knees. And he managed to get out and run. And then he stood behind the elephant right in line with the brain, and I had to shout to him to get out the way, and then we shot it and killed it. He ran about 10 meters, sat under a tree, or fell down under a tree, and I walked over to him afterwards, and I, I said, are you okay? He said, how's my rifle? 
first thing he said. <laughs> and I understand. So I walked over, dug it out the sand, cleaned it a little bit, and I took him his, his rifle. It had a few scratches on it. And but other than that, it was, it was fine. He had a broken pelvis oh. and, and broken ribs. Oh, yeah. but he survived. He survived. Yeah. Oh. So, and he sent his rifle out to get reblued, right? And he sent it back. He was so upset that it had a scratch on it. He sent it out to Rigby. In, and, and Rigby, even though it was a Holland, he sent it to Rigby because he had a mate at Rigby. So they patched it up for him and that. Oh, there's no way I would get that reblued after it came Absolutely. from an elephant attacking yeah. me. Oh. But, uh, but the funny thing is, so we, um, we fetched his land cruiser. I sent one of the trackers to get his land cruiser. And, and, oh, and I've, I've omitted to say that while this was going on, while he was underneath it, the, the game scout who had a, an FNFL, uh, a yeah, 762 FAL. military, yeah. had run away. And when he saw that the elephant was now busy with him, he knew he could come back because he was safe. So he came back and he was shooting from an embankment above the guy and shooting down on this elephant with this guy underneath. So out of the 13 rounds he fired, I think he hit the elephant six times. So he, he must, <laughs> this elephant. guy was more than lucky with just the elephant. He was lucky he didn't get shot as well. <laughs> so so we, we sort of put him in the Land Cruiser and he was in a lot of pain. I mean, he was sort of yelping at every bump we hit. We went past one of the other camps that were on the river and we borrowed a 20 litre jerry can of petrol and carried on. And I took him to a mission station about 50 kilometers from there. Oh. It was a, a um, German-run missionary station called Monoma Mission. And um, So he had to ride on African road for 30 miles. And he broken screamed at every ribs. bump we hit. Oh, so every bump. I mean, yeah. he must have been in a bit of pain. I mean, <laughs> we didn't really have too much liquor to give him to quieten him down. But, too bad. But anyway, we took him in and when we got there, the German doctor and, and nurse said, Oh, this is the most interesting thing we've got to deal with now. We're so used to syphilis and gonorrhea. This is going to make a big change. It sounds like the nurse at Q. Yeah. So they x-rayed him on a machine that I think was the first x-ray machine built. And they picked up this fracture. When he got to town, he went to another x-ray. And the modern machine didn't pick up the same fractures that the old machine picked up, which was quite interesting. So they so gave him cancer. Yeah, I mean, it must have been some, but this machine looked like it was, must have come out of the ox wagon. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was old. And so we paid the nominal charge of two Zimbabwe dollars for the medical attention he received. And they took him in by ambulance and he lay in hospital for 10 days. And he was supposed to go on another elephant hunt like the next week. He managed to postpone it until he got out of hospital. So he got out of hospital on 10 days later on, this, I think it was a Sunday. He went home, he packed his land cruiser and he left on the Monday to go on another elephant hunt. With a broken pelvis and ribs. Well, he was sort of semi, semi healed, but he went, shot a decent elephant and yeah. You still friends with this guy? Yeah, he, but he's in heaven now. He died of hepatitis. <laughs> yeah, and they, they didn't make it. Hepatitis B. Different story. <laughs> we still mates. We so still, that one involves guys tripping him to Bangkok. 
still, you know, every now and then we sort of send SMSs and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was probably one of the most interesting ones. Um, what, what about lion hunts? You've done those. Yeah, we've done quite a few lion hunts, um, probably 30 lion. Um, what was your most exciting or your favorite? Or... I would say the one that, the one that, it's, it wasn't a big male. We were actually shooting a female. It was a lioness. It was part of a package that I won. It, I won a trophy elephant hunt for 150 Zimbabwe dollars, which is like 50 US dollars. And I won an elephant bull, trophy elephant bull, a buffalo cow, 10 impala, a hyena, a lioness, and a couple of other things, all for that price. And so, I could take four so of my buddies. So $150,000 hunt. Yeah. And so... <laughs> So we went down. <laughs> no, and the thing is, I took one ticket. All the other guys took. It was a raffle, so I I took it one ticket. They took like twenty tickets, and I won the I won the hunt. So I took it's a good film. living, good living guy. Yeah, you deserved it. Yeah, bit of bit of the old luck there. Yeah. So we um, we went down to the Zambezi Valley to a place called B Camp, which is now known as Rifa um, area, which they don't. They don't hunt anymore. They've stopped hunting there. It was bought out as a, as a photographic concession. And so when we got there, the, I think the first, uh, this was the second day, we were driving along and we saw some lionesses crossing the road uh, with a young male. So it was late evening. It was almost dark. So I had my 375 with me, which was open sights. And I thought, ah, oh, too dark now. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to actually take the 308 with, um, in those days, we used to make our own hollow points. We didn't have Hornadies and all these fancy things. We took military rounds from the war, and we used to just grind the tip off and just take a pin and clean out a bit of lead, and that was our hollow point. So we followed this lioness down into this little river, and I couldn't see it, was, and it was really getting late then. Ugh. So as she came out the other side, she stopped and looked back at me and I tried to shoot behind her shoulder you know, to quarter it into her heart, lungs and that. And I pulled the shot. And I wasn't sure where I did it, but she just growled and took off. So by then the other guys in the party had arrived and I said, right, come boys, we're going to follow this, this lioness. Because j just like... Cow elephants, lioness is more aggressive and dangerous than they the are lion, not, typically. Not pleasant to deal with that, and Ugh. especially when you can't see where they're coming from. It's same with humans. Yes, absolutely. In my experience. You know, I've, I've heard this, eh? Yeah. I don't know. I think uh, Guy's pretty okay with dealing with. Well, he's so. <laughs> what do they say? He's so slick, he slides uphill. Uh, he is a lady so, so, anyway, so. We carried on, we followed, there, there wasn't much blood. I found a little bit of meat and that was about it. So we carried on and then I picked up a drop of blood and drop of blood and then we walked, must have gone about 300 yards. Mm. And I came across a fallen Mapani tree, a big tree that had fallen down. Yeah. And I walked to the edge and it was, there was a drop off there and it was basically, we could hardly see anymore. 
But now I'd swapped out that 308 for my 375 they'd bought me my 375. So I walked to the stump and I looked over the stump and as I looked over I just heard this like vibration and I just saw this thing coming out of a thicket about 20 yards away. It was coming straight at it. So it's an old story that I've, I've since learned. I mean, I was still new in the game then. That when you're facing a charging cat, lion or leopard, you need to be on the same level as them because it's very difficult. They move so fast that you can't actually put the bullet in. You've actually got to get on the same plane that they're running on. Yeah, because you can shoot over them. You can, fast you can. If you're and, at and that's angle, exactly yeah. what I did. I mean, that thing was no more than the end of this bar counter and I fired. And it was so late at night that a flame like that came out the end of the barrel. I still remember the big, the flame coming out. And that's what actually turned her. I missed her completely, a shot over the top of her. She turned and ran straight back into the thing. And as she turned, I shot again and I missed again. And she went into the thicket and disappeared. And then we backed off. And in the morning we came back. And um, there were some guys hunting down the down the river from us. There were there were three camps basically just below the Kariba Dam wall. Yeah. And um, what happened was was when we got back in the morning, we parked the vehicle, we walked in, we got to that same fallen tree, and as we got to that fallen tree, I just heard this. It was like a deep growl, and we couldn't see where it was. And then I looked, there was a big baobab tree, and there was a bit of brush around it. And she was lying at the bottom of, of the thing. So anyway, we we eventually managed to get a shot in and we, and we took her out like that. But that was probably with a line that probably the closest. Yeah. Man, I know in my experience with uh, my lion hunt, it, it's hard to explain how deep that is. But I mean, it, at 200 yards, you can feel a lion roar or growl like in your Absolutely. chest. Absolutely. You, you feel it more than you hear it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember one day, uh, we were two hundred yards from a lion, and, and and it growled, and all of us was like, you know, you could feel the hair on the back of your neck stand up. And it's hard to explain. Like you can feel yeah. it. It's so deep and yeah, so it's loud. Like you almost you can feel the vibration. Cats in the air. are scary. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I mean that lion. I mean the, the most of the lions we shot. We, we didn't really have too much problems with them. There was an odd one that charged, but we managed to shoot it before it got to us. And But that lioness was, I don't know how it turned that night. It, it, it's crazy. The thing was right on top of me. And it just, so just the flash of the barrel just spun it around like it's a... Oh, so lucky. You know. What about, do you like uh, lion or leopard hunting better? I, I like lion hunting. I probably prefer lion hunting, but... Leopard's also interesting. Leopard's also good. I had a couple of little scraps with leopard as well. The, the one in particular was we shot a leopard at last light and it was on the bait up in the tree. We shot it. Um, it fell. I heard it hit the ground. And when we went up, it wasn't there. Oh. And the area sort of adjacent to us was what we call flay grass. It was it was grass that stood this long, and it had gone in there, mm. and it was getting dark now. Excuse me, you got so, water, sorry, one second. Water, soda, anything? 
Okay, sorry. Yeah, so we couldn't follow it in that night because of the glass. Yeah, so. no shit, don't do that. So the next morning we, we came back and I was always nervous of giving trackers guns and stuff like that because it's easy to get shot like it. So I gave him more pick handles. What's it's, that? It's, it's the handle for a you know, pick that you dig with. It, is it, are those like the, the it's a, like homemade a, what, ones that they do? What you call them in the States, but it's the thing you would dig up, if you dug a grave for oh, someone. Like a pickaxe. What would yeah, you yeah. use? A backhoe. <laughs> yeah, a backhoe, because <laughs> it's not African America. No. So it's but, like but the little, the little, the ones they make out of no, like no, the they, leaf they, springs. They, they're and about stuff. that long, and they're made out of wood. They almost oval in shape. Gave them each one of those, and we started tracking. And we found where it had been pushed up a small tree by lions that night and hyenas, and it, it bled on the tree like it. So we knew it was quite badly wounded. Um, then it went back into the grass, and then we started tracking drop by drop. Oh. And um, you don't know, this, this grass is almost as tall as this light here. Well, is it true that, like, lions will typically warn you if they're wounded and you get Usually, close, but a leopard yeah. generally does not. And they're both as quick. Look, a leopard probably not going to kill you, but a lion will. But sometimes it's, you're just suddenly upon them and then there's no plan. Yeah. So with that one, we, we followed drop by drop. And I must say, the trackers were, were great. They, they were extended line looking for drops of blood. And we got to a road eventually. And we found its track on the road. And we could see it was dragging its, its foot on the, on, the, on the road. So we followed it to the boundary of our concession. And then we had to get permission to go into the next concession. And it took a couple of hours. So, Around about midday, we went into the next concession, found a bit of blood, and went into a river with lots of reeds. Ugh. And um, I said to the guys, there was, so there was two clients, two PHs, and a couple of game scouts. And I said to them, right, guys, then let's have a look here. This, this river, it, it just looks perfect for this leopard to be lying. So I took a rock and I threw it in there, and I just heard this. So it, it was hiding inside the reeds. And it growled, and I thought you know, it was going to come out, but it didn't. So then I said, all right, hold on. And I walked down about 100 yards, and I climbed across the river, and then there was a steep embankment. So the other side of the river, there was this embankment, probably as high as these rafters. And I went around, I climbed up, and I didn't want to just come back to that spot because I had a feeling the leopard had run downstream in the reeds and was using the reeds as cover. So I went right around. And then when I got down about... 200 yards, I walked back looking down into the reeds. And I kept looking down, 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 and I walked back. Eventually I got opposite where they were all standing there waiting for something to happen. And I looked down at them and I went. They, they couldn't see anything, they hadn't heard anything. I thought, geez, this is very odd, where did this leopard go? And then I looked down below me, this bank that I was standing on, I looked down and I saw a couple of spots sticking out. You know where the water washes like a, a bank and it washes a bit of a hollow in the bank? Mm. It was hiding in there. And I saw this, these spots and I closed my bolt. And as I did that, it looked up and it saw me. And once we made eye contact, yes, that was it. It ran, tried to come up at first. It was shot to the one leg. So luckily it only had three legs. Try to come up, and then it, it went down the river until it got a path, and I was standing on that path, and it just came straight up at me like that. 
Um, and I waited, fortunately I waited, I didn't just fire immediately. When it got from me to you away, I didn't even aim, I just held the barrel out like it and I just pulled the trigger and hit it in the chest. And it's funny how these things happen, but you almost, you almost see it in slow motion. The whole thing, the whole, everything just slows down to slow motion. And this leopard actually looked at me, did this when I shot it, turned, took the shot, looked back at me and started coming again. And I, I had another one by that time, and that's why I always prefer bolt action. I had another one ready, stuck him again in the chest, and that was too much. Then he just rolled down. But by then, the adrenaline, adrenaline was so high. As he rolled down, I was just <laughs> shooting him again and again. And again. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was a, another good, good instance, yeah. A good incident. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. He didn't get no. mauled, it worked out. You know, Leopard never changes his spots, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very interesting. What, what, what about Buffalo? I've had a few with Buffalo, but I've probably shot 300 Buffalo with clients. When I say shot, I've guided 300 Buffalo. And I've probably only had maybe half a dozen problems. Only. With buffalo. You know, the, the whole thing is, buffalo hunting is, a lot of people take chances with buffalo. They wound a buffalo and they, they become blase with it. So I always, my theory is if you can shoot it, if you can see it, shoot it. Bullets are cheap. And keep shooting it until, it until it goes down. Some people don't do that. Some people will shoot it and say, oh, wait, don't shoot again. I want to I wanna try and see how close I can get. And You know, there's a lot of guys out there that, that create problems. So we've been lucky. We haven't had too many buffalo incidents. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. What's your favorite? What, what do you use as a backup? What caliber for a dangerous game? I've always used the 375. And yeah. I've, I've had bigger guns, and, and I've been given 416s um, because I, I had a Spanish client who believed my 375 wasn't enough. So I've always used the 375 because I could shoot it like, like a target rifle. I mean, I knew this 375. It was my dad's gun. It was a Seiko 375 Mauser Action built in 1957 um, in Finland. And um, I've always just got on with that. You know, it's felt so light. It's, like a, it's almost like that BB gun you've got there. It feels like that, and, and that's what I like. I don't like a heavy gun. So uh, one year when I went over to Finland on, on a recruitment tour, I actually got to go into the, into the Seiko factory and I went through it with them and, and the, the, I mentioned the number to them and they looked back and they said, gee, this is 1957, this gun was built. But yeah, things have changed a lot now. They've got their own actions and that. But yeah, fantastic rifle. Hmm. Yeah. And it, the interesting thing too for you technicians and, and technical guys, that barrel had a 12 land barrel, not a six land. Most of your common things are six land now. That had 12 land. And so whenever I pulled a bullet out of an elephant, I could always see which was, which was mine. It was completely different to all the others. Yeah. What do you think is, uh, what's your favorite hunt we've been on together? It's been I'm a just, lot now. We've done a lot, yeah. 
I tell you what, that kudu this morning didn't, didn't wasn't far from the top. Eh? That's fun, wasn't that it? That was classic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so a that cool was, thing that, about hunting. That was classic. So I mean, we've done we've done a lot of others, but that hunt this morning, the way Kevin just looked down around the bush and said, and I had to pop him, hey, that kudu's here. And they'll get on it. I didn't even have time to pick up the camera, which I was supposed to be filming. <laughs> and he, sh he shot it perfectly. So we were very lucky with that. Yeah, yeah. We were hanging out. We we had seen, originally, we, we saw a bull at 700 yards, and it was in an open area and a bunch of thick stuff, basically. And so we tried to get a little closer. And by the time we got to 550, I was like, ooh, I was more comfortable at the 700 yards than I was there. And we watched for it to come out of the bush. He went back in the bush, watched for it to come out. And for maybe like 30 minutes or an hour, oh, a while. Close to an hour, yeah. And then about 200 yards underneath us, some some fallow hinds ran past. And I was like, huh. So, I, you know, instead of just focusing beyond, I was I was looking down there. And all of us, I mean, Guy and I are maybe three or four feet apart. But just that difference on the hill this kudu bull just walks out. I had no idea we were there at 200 yards. And I was like, there's a kudu bull. And he, he can't see. He's like, what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> and and, and like, so he finally said, oh, shoot him. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, we shot him. It was fun. That was a good shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah we got lucky. So, I mean, cool. there's, there's little things I get that that don't happen all the time, which, yeah. which is great. Yeah, that's the cool thing about hunting to me. I mean, yeah. that's why I want to know, like, all these exceptional stories you have because it's always – that's the exciting thing. That's where you can go hunt every day because you can plan it all you want or think yeah. you know what's going to happen. It's and never going to work out like that. No, yeah. You were show, you showed me the picture a couple of days ago, the guy you knew that he's a PH, he's with a client, shoots an elephant, and the elephant falls yes. on him. They can't get him yeah. out, and he died. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one and we've had a, we've had a game, number, of, number of PHs. I mean, elephant have claimed quite a few PHs, uh, buffalo too, and... I mean, sometimes it's such a simple thing where you may have lived, but like in, in some occasions, like one in particular, I sold a Land Cruiser to a very good friend of mine. And a week later, he went to Tanzania, and his, a wounded buffalo pulled his femoral artery out. And he was so far from anywhere that he could get medical help. He, he, he passed away in the, in the bush. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think about it here. We take it for granted in America. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of us from America... We, we can all get to a hospital in a matter of minutes. Absolutely. And even here, where we are here, like mm. it takes you an hour to get to a hospital unless you have a helicopter. Like, well, even a doctor's not even really a hospital in an hour yeah. from here. So, yeah, if something happened. Well, what do you think? A dangerous game, what do you think is the most dangerous? You've hunted all of it. What's the most dangerous thing to hunt? I think something that if you get it wrong, that's going to kill you instantly is, a, is an elephant. Yeah. Um, elephant is just so big, and even... Sometimes when they're charging you and you don't get that brain shot right, that thing will reduce you to mincemeat very quickly. Uh, lions, also a tough one. Buffalo have created a lot of problems with, with hunters. But, but it's buffalo because, like, like, I've hunted a fair amount of buffalo now, and, and I'm probably, like you said, blasé about it to some degree because, you know, it's not... It doesn't seem that different than like bulls that we have in America that we grow up seeing or whatever, but 
is, is it because the number of people that hunt buffalo compared to other dangerous yes, game and that ab people absolutely. get blasé and that's how they get hurt? 100%. I think there's more buffalo hunted than any other of the big game species. Probably so, combined. So your yeah. numbers are, are elevated much more than, say, an elephant or, or, or lion or something So like there's that. just a lot more interaction. Yeah, absolutely. So the chances are more. But the thing that actually takes out more people are, are HIPAA. Yeah. But not because of Is, is that more natives in, yes, in, in, more, more in the water? Yes, more people, fishermen and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid of hippo. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm very afraid of elephant. But I'm guilty of being blasé about buffalo, too. Like, I take it seriously. Um, but I'm not nearly as afraid as I am of elephant. And I've been... I haven't hunted elephant yet, but I've been very close to elephant in the wild. Yeah. And it's amazing how huge they are. And the fact, I mean, they can just kill you so easily. Absolutely. You can't run away from one. They can no, knock no, down can't. trees. You can't and the do thing it. is, they, they, they can smell you out wherever you go anyway. So if, if they just run behind you with their trunk, they, they'll just pick you out. Sure. But, but the interesting thing with, with, with the elephant in Zimbabwe, and I use Zimbabwe as an example, I believe that there's four genetic pools of elephant in, in Zimbabwe. Yeah. So they're obviously all the same elephant, but in my view, they're not. They, the ones from up north, in the, in the northwest, yeah. near the Victoria Falls, are the same ones that go to Botswana, and Namibia, Caprivi, um, all that. That is a much bigger bull. I mean, he's huge. The, the size of that thing is massive. Then if you go along the Zambezi River, there's very few of them actually move from the fall side across the Zambezi. Yeah. The, that bull on the Zambezi River is a, is, a, is a smaller bull, and they just seem less heavy, less bulky. Yeah, because Botswana, the elephants Botswana are known for being massive. Massive. Very, Short, a lot of mass. Tusk. Yeah. So those elephants, so you've got Botswana on the, on the north, the west there, then you've got the Zambezi River all the way down to Mozambique. Those elephants, they are... A, to me, are a slightly smaller body, um, different ivory. It's, it's a more long, thinner ivory. And, and they, they don't look the same as those elephants. Then as you move down on the, on the um, eastern boundary of Zimbabwe, you get down to Gonrezor. That's a taller elephant, and they do have t big tusks, but they seem to be a longer tusk, thicker and yeah. long. That's the same as the Kruger elephant. So the Kruger and the, and the Gonrezor elephants are the same. Then you come around the country to the Thule Circle, there's a small nucleus of aggressive, horrible little elephants there. They're tiny and they just hunt people. They just, they just if they smell you, they're going to come after you. And they are just nasty little elephants. Like a polar bear. But they're tiny. I mean, literally they'll fit under a doorway. I don't believe you know. that. No, <laughs> they went for truth. For under. Okay, so two more questions. First, who, who shoots better, me, Mitch, or Nick? Ooh. Not you, Kristen. We know from what, who the answer what, would be there. From what I've seen, you definitely hold your nerve, and you, you you're the man. Thank you, guy. You're Mitch alive. shoots well. Nick shoots well, but I think you've got just got the edge. Oh, we should have seen it here. All right, Plains game. What's your favorite to hunt? You guys suck, by the way. Well, just buy us more hunts. I give you ammo when I give you a range. Go yeah. shoot more. Nick and I's first African hunts for this guy. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. 
my favorite plains game animal would be a Livingston eland. Oh. Which you pick up a track in the morning crossing a road or at a waterhole or and you track that thing sometimes five, six hours till you find it feeding, luckily if you're lucky. Otherwise it's standing there looking at you and that's not so easy. But Livingston Eland for me is, is by far the best. Livingston Eland. <laughs> They're beautiful. They have yeah. stripes. They're big and they have stripes. They, yeah, they They're do. in so, northern so, Mozambique, Tanzania. So they're a little bit different to these eland we get around. Yeah, this is the Cape eland. And they they look slightly different in color and all that sort of thing. Um, and they live in the in the mountains, as you've seen here. Um, the Livingston eland is sort of, it's hard to say because I've, I've noticed a difference in Livingston eland in Botswana, in the Kalahari, to the ones in... Zimbabwe, they, they, their facial coloring and all that's different. So I think that there's actually a few different offspring um, units of, of eland around. But the main one that I know is from the Limpopo River up, hmm. up to the Zambezi. What do you like hunting best here at Crusader for a third question? I like bushbuck. Yeah. I like bushbuck, but I do like kudu. I've got to say, kudu's probably the tops. Everyone loves kudu. Yeah. And, and yeah, they do. Yeah. Well, Guy, thank you for answering the question about who shoots best correctly. Thank you. And you are always a pleasure. And, and you owe me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers, Guy. Well, cheers, cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, buggers. Not you guys, because y'all can't shoot, but you're cool. You're cheers, cool. cheers, cheers. You're pretty thank cool. You guys, cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers, cheers.